and return back. Welcome to the office. So we're under siege, but we're gonna win this one. In this unique time, it's, uh, it's a little unreal. Our economy has been put in pause. The next threat coming is a global recession. I refuse to believe that with all of us, all our intelligence, all of us staying at home right now, we cannot do something to avoid the crisis coming. For the first time in history, all interests align. We even have a month in front of us to prepare for what's coming. If we stand together, we have a chance through this, not just to recoup what has been lost, but to build stronger, to build better, to build taller. We can't let anyone behind. So it is the great time for us to rethink how we operate, to rebuild better, to incorporate at the center, at the core of what we are, community and society. In time of crisis, it is the best time to reinvent yourself. So do it. I shaved my head. Why I did so? Because I wanted to make a point that our economy has been rebooted and we'll have to reboot all the system. While we're doing so, why not upgrade them to the new era, the information era, the millennials era, to the social network media. In this time of age, know that a teenager with a cell phone can beat a multi-million dollar campaign. We have to readjust or not. We are condemned to disappear. We will all stand together, united, to look forward, better, stronger, and all together. If you shave your head in the idea of rebooting and let's make this a movement of unity. Andrew Tabat, welcome to the office. Hashtag reboot. Hi everyone, welcome back to the office. This morning we'd like to have uh, a word status of where COVID is and how the dental industry stands. With me today, I have the privilege and honor to have the alphas with me. Um, Dr. Paul Wyatt from Florida, Dr. Mayaku Stater from Missouri, Dr. Julio Refanaje from Peru, Dr. Eric Lacoste from Canada, Dr. Jeremy Krell from New Jersey, and Dr. Eric Pulver from Illinois. I named them in the honor of the order that I see them on the screen, so <laughs> there was no people more important than anybody else. And of course, I'm Dr. Back, your host for today. Um, first of all, how are you doing? Awesome. <laughs> it's, it's been now, what, about nearly close to two months that we all have put in pause, except for Dr. Maria, who she, mm -hmm. you are so active online. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, can we take about a minute to introduce yourself so the people that just joined us know what you're doing and where you're from? Let's start with Dr. Wallet. Well, good morning again. It's an honor to be with the uh, Alphas. Um, I think the main Alpha is Dr. Bach, and I'm the mini-me <laughs> Alpha, because I have learned so much from him over the last two months. Uh, I'm an orthodontist. Thank you, Paul. I feel the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You better, you better outshine me, please, do. You always do. But anyways, I'm an orthodontist from Florida. I've uh, been in practice. This is year 50 for me. So I usually have to get back to the nursing home by six o'clock every night. And they let me out as long as I don't bring COVID back to the, uh, I'm just teasing you, but uh, I'll never go to a nursing home. They're going to carry me out of my office and, uh, and, and put me in the ground. Um, we just got back to work 
last week. My two sons opened their offices. Uh, I have one son that's an orthodontist that uh, was really nervous about everything. The other son's an implant doctor. He's in Orlando and he's not as nervous. And I was so happy when I went to his office that his parking lot was jammed with cars. Uh, people, the demand is still there for dentistry, at least in his practice. I also worked myself last Saturday. We saw 48 ortho patients in a new practice that I'm going to get involved in in Orlando. And that went real smooth. The only difference is we're taking temperatures. Uh, we're giving everybody a mask. And um, in fact, I thought a, a mask being a branding idea for us, we ought to have some uh, masks you know, with our logos on it because we will be giving these out to every patient and hopefully they'll wear them to the grocery store. So put that idea down. And uh, anyways, I'm looking forward to uh, more information. We're getting new information every day. And thank you for including me, Dr. Bach, my brother from another mother. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Um, you honor me, and trust me, you put a lot of pressure on my shoulders. <laughs> Dr. Maria, like to introduce yourself? Dr. Kutstater? Dr. Kutzner, are you You're breaking us? up for me, Dr. Bach. Oh, yeah, I see yeah. you. Dr. Bach, I can't hear you. I yeah. can't hear you either. And he's frozen. I'll go ahead and introduce myself while he gets back on, because I think I'm next in line according to our introductions. I'm Dr. Maria Kunstadter, and I have a company called The Teledentist. And while everybody else has been not in their office, we've been seeing their patients. So um, we've got dentists across the United States and Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And we have, well, we have been extremely busy because patients have come to us when they couldn't get into an office. You know, we've really worked really hard to get true emergencies into a, a dentist that see emergencies and placate and palliate the other patients that aren't, you know, life-threatening or going to get significantly worse um, and telling them to hang on for a couple more weeks when they can get back into an office and, and be treated. So we've had um, skyrocketing numbers of calls and are delighted to help out um, virtually and hope that as we go into the new era of dentistry, we can use more virtual consultations, keep people at home. And uh, as I tell everybody now, when we're meeting people with masks, you know, face shields and everything on, this kind of con uh, consultation is probably the most personal we'll get with our patients. You're never going to be up in their face, patting them on the shoulder and giving them hugs for a long time. But this way, you'll have your masks off, your gloves off, and you can actually talk to your patients virtually and they can see you and enjoy talking with you so that's what we're looking for in the new um the, the new way the dental profession is moving forward and we're looking forward to it thank you thank you dr christina dr hafenegi hi how are you doing back do you hear me okay mm -hmm. yeah me? from peru okay. <laughs> yeah well i'm dr julio rina farge i'm from lima from peru um I work as a restorative dentist in, in restorative dentistry. I I used to uh, I, I work from about um, maybe twenty years ago in this, and right now I'm I'm a dean for a continuing education school for the Peruvian uh, Dental Association, and we are right now we are closed, obviously for the pandemic. Uh, pan pandemic problem. So we're trying to do some uh, uh, online courses. 
and in the office it's very difficult we are we are in in um uh, we have a lockdown for about uh, uh, 65 days right now and uh, we're gonna be it, it's supposed to be a, a, we are gonna open doors on on sunday so the maybe next week we will know how how it's gonna work in, in, in when we go back to our offices obviously what we are trying to do right now is working with emergencies as dr lacos told us and in emergencies we we are using two kind of, of uh, we are solving two kind of problems in emergencies one by um, by this this kind of meetings like tell the dentists also uh, uh, with a Zoom or, or a WhatsApp uh, uh, um, camera. Mm -hmm. And the other way that we are using is we have an ambulance, an ambulance with uh, a whole uh, unit inside of it. And we go to the homes sometimes when, then when we are required. We have to take a, a very, a, a very extreme measures about uh, disinfection uh, preparation of the ambulance before we go so it takes a little bit of time but it works fine no well we are not uh, we're helping all that we can it's about i don't know maybe we're reaching about uh something about 10 miles around uh, our office but we cannot do so much we need uh, a more of assistant but we are really gonna measure the the market in in about one week when we go back to the office. Thank you for inviting me back. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Dr. Pulver, would you like I'm, to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. How are you all doing today? Um, I've, uh, we did a soft start. I'm an oral surgeon. I practice just outside of Chicago, Northwest Indiana. And I'm originally from Toronto. And we did a soft start about three and a half weeks ago. It's interesting having my practice in one state, Indiana, and living in Illinois because there's different regulations and different rules. Um, over the last few months, we've been trying to kind of read through all the research and look at all the new innovation and technology and try to figure out a safe roadmap forward, both for us and you know the community in which we live with the dentists and patients and, and our teams. Um, we had a soft start, as I mentioned, about three weeks ago, where we went into train. And over the last two, two weeks or so, two and a half weeks, we started seeing patients. But it's in a new, very different way. And we're utilizing uh, teledentistry. Uh, we're having patients come in individually. They've uh, pre prepaid. They've done all their uh, consent forms, all their uh, patient acknowledgement forms, HIPAA compliant. Uh, before they come to the office. And then we go through questionnaires that we send them, each patient that comes in. So we're screening everyone, including our, our team, and we're recording it in Excel spreadsheets. Uh, and everyone, because maybe we're, we're lucky, but I think if you bring this to your staff and your team in the right way, they're accepting of it. And although it's been a, a real challenge for, for many of us uh, to get through COVID and Certainly certain states are more challenging uh, than others and we've lost lives, which is unfortunate. It, it, there's some, something from this that I believe is creating a pivot or a change. 
that's allowing us to accept technology in, in a more meaningful way. And I think that sometimes we have to get outside of our mindset of, of how our communication impacts our practices, and our patients. And we may be at a time where people are open and accepting to uh, moving forward in a new way. And we're sort of pushing those limits and trying to see what works, what doesn't work. We're including our patients in the experience uh, and we're sharing it. Um, there's a, a group of us that have put information together and done a number of uh, <clears throat> web, uh, webinars that we've shared with uh, people going back to work. And I think that it, it's, uh, it's kind of exciting, it's new, it's different, and uh, I'll be interested to see where we are in six months looking back. And I'm hoping that we're all open enough to take some of these new ideas and these new thoughts and make them part of everyday practice and also maybe academics within dentistry. And our experience isn't unique to dentistry. It can be rolled over, I think, to uh, the restaurants that are coming back, the movie theaters, whatever it is, because as dentists, we're really prepared to be dealing with this, this situation because of our past. Bloodborne pathogens and how we've handled them, uh, flu season every year. And I think that who better than, than dentist to, to sort of lead the way and give some good ideas of bridging between that profession and the, our communities. So that's kind of where we're at now. And we're learning every day. We're certainly not perfect at it. And we're not experts at it. We're just trying to figure it out. I love the idea, Rick. Let's do this, the Poover Initiative. I'm in. I know if the rest of the FL likes to join in, but once a month, let's do this. Let's just see uh, how we were and how, where we're going. Well, we can call it something else, but uh, it's a collective thing because it's bigger than one person, right? It, it's yeah, something that we all have to share. So is that, that's the Poover Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> You're stuck with it no matter what you've done. <laughs> Come on, Eric. I don't know. <laughs> I, I tried to get away from mine. It didn't work. <laughs> so Dr. Lacos, like to introduce yourself, please? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm uh, Dr. Eric Lacos. I'm a periodontist. I practice out of Laval, uh, Canada. So that's uh, the second biggest city near Montreal. Um, basically, uh, we just uh, learned uh, two days ago that we would start uh, again on uh, June 1st. Um, there's a, so it's very quick because of, uh, they haven't even sent us the final uh, official guidelines uh, that we need to, to follow. Um, so, uh, sharing with you guys, I've learned quite a bit and also reading, uh, everything that I could, uh, we've, uh, we, we try to build our protocol. It's you know, as close as, uh, what we expect the recommendations to be. Um, I've been seeing a couple of emergencies that's where I am this morning. Uh, and, um, I mean, just like, uh, Dr. Pulver said, I, I agree with everything you said. I think that's where we're going. Uh, in terms of technology, in terms of, uh, of how we're going to bring in some changes. Uh, this being said, uh, back home, uh, the, the, the weather has been great for the past few days. And you can see that uh, people are just, you know, excited to, to, uh, to uh, get out. And, and, uh, and, and they have a, even a tendency, you know, to lower their, uh, their level of, uh, of cautiousness. Um, from what I've seen so far, with the patients that I've seen, they, they're eager to, to get back to get uh, work done, which kind of was uh, the unexpected uh, outcome uh, because we would believe that people would be more scared. 
But uh, as you see in the street, they're, they're, they're lowering their guard down. And, and, and when they come to the office, we have to keep, start doing some reminders as to the, the, the new reality that, that we have to do. Uh, this said, uh, with the staff, I think it's an, it's an amazing opportunity to uh, sit together, talk, and, and, and some, some reinforce, uh, because now we have a purpose, a new purpose. And, and, and uh, of fighting this, uh, of protecting ourselves against the COVID. So, so it's a great opportunity to reset some protocols, uh, get back to, you know, the, the, the academic basis, basis of what we had learned and how to get things done. Um, and and, and that's, uh, that has been proven to be great, I find. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we stand. Thank you, Nicholas. You know that you'll be saying for me too, because I'm the host, so I won't be speaking. So you have to talk for Canada. Go Canada, go. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hockey, though. So we're <laughs> but Jeremy Crow, you please do introduce yourself. And uh, I'd like to welcome you officially to the Alphas because it's the first time that you asked us to a summit with us, with the Crow. Thank you, uh, Dr. Bach, for, for the warm welcome and, and welcome to all the Alphas. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I am uh, a combination background, uh, if you will. I'm a, I'm a general dentist. I have two practices in uh, Jersey, New Jersey. Uh, one is in Jersey City, where I reside. Um, I have been in startups for the past maybe 15 years or so. Uh, most recently uh, is Quip, uh, the subscription electric toothbrush uh, you may have heard of. Um, I'm the, the dental director there, uh, the, the, the dentist behind it. Um, uh, in addition to, you know, of course, the rest of the founding team, uh, I'm the head of marketing at Simplify. I'm the VP of business development at Supply Clinic. Um, Simplify is live chat, um, direct scheduling, uh, telehealth, and uh, pay payments, contactless payments. Uh, and, and Supply Clinic is an online marketplace for dental supplies. Um, and in addition to that, I manage a portfolio of about a dozen other ventures. Uh, so every day is, is a new day. Dr. Bach and I are going through each venture in a separate series uh, in groups, one by one. <laughs> I think we're, we're having a great time. Uh, I, I hope other, uh, other listeners, uh, you know, can find a tool there, uh, you know, or can learn something about different approaches to, you know, to this crisis. Um, we'll hear a little bit more about, you know, the state of the East Coast, but it's, it's obviously been, uh, been a very tough place to be during this time. Thank I have you. To, pre to precise that, Dr. Crow is also a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm a, I'm a general dentist. I have two offices in New Jersey one with a partner, a uh, uh, wonderful partner who does, you know, the lion's share of the work with our other associate dentists. But I do, pra I am a general dentist. I do practice dentistry and we do have two practices here in New Jersey. And so for those who just want to, to know how we got in contact, Dr. Poover, send me an uh, email say that I'm sending you an overachiever. He's the guy. And usually I'm never shy. I listen to Dr. Croft talking and say, I thought I was an overachiever. <laughs> Welcome to the Alphas, Dr. Croft. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. This being said, um, the purpose of this summit is to share information to support our state boards and also the public health uh, decision maker. To, in order to, uh, to just share information, know how the other state or other country is doing and how are we uh, implementing the new, um, let's say the new norm for, of safety. So we have three countries on the line, seven states. Let's dig into it. So I got the numbers from two days on, uh, on Google. 
The United States have 1.6 million cases at this stage and about 96,000 dead. Um, I put them in order of importance. So uh, the first state I'd like to begin is New York with 356,000 cases and 23,000 deaths. Dr. Krell, I believe that's your state. Yeah, New York is, is just, uh, you know, uh, rocks throw over the pond here from, from where I am in, in New Jersey. Uh, obviously, it's, uh, you know, New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, you know, the tri whole tri-state area, um, Pennsylvania feed New York uh, in terms of workers. Uh, so a lot of the patients that we have are, you know, people who, who come from, uh, it, it really has been kind of the leader city uh, here in, in the United States. Uh, you know, the, the statistics are, are highly driven by New York. Um, so when we talk about reaching peak, uh, and I think, um, you know, from, from the numbers, uh, New York reached, you know, peak in, let's say, beginning to mid-April. Um, that, that, is, that is largely driven by the numbers in, in New York City. Um, you know, New York obviously is a big state, uh, but you know the number of confirmed cases being nearly 200,000, uh, 15,000 deaths there, way, way outweighs any other other county um, in in the state of New York. Um, been a lot of mixed messages, of course, uh, about uh, dentistry being essential versus non-essential, uh, being open versus not open. Um, I'd say in New York City, you still see, you know, the vast majority of, of dental offices are, are either closed entirely or, or open on a limited basis just for emergencies. Uh, I, I would stretch to confidently say any, anything beyond that. Um, you definitely have kind of major lockdown coming from the mayor and the governor on, on New York City at this time. And when do you think you can resume? Yeah, it's a really tough question, um, you know, and I think the rest of the country is looking to New York. Um, we recently saw a little, you know, a little spike, uh, you know, the, the numbers had dropped to, I think, around May 11th, around uh, 1,400 cases or so uh, known, um, you know, but then jumped up uh, again to nearly 27, 2,800 cases when people started going back to work, you know, just a few days later, May 14th, May 15th. So, you know, I think everybody's really just hoping that this is uh, uh, a controlled spike here. Um, you know, there's a, there's a pretty horrible statement, um, you know, that, that's buzzing around, which is, you know, at least the hospitals now have uh, room for you in the ICU, right? So, you know, on the bright side, there aren't people being treated in tents anymore. There, there aren't, um, you know, other floors and hospitals being converted to COVID floors. That has largely gone back. Uh, you know, to to somewhat normal, um, you know, inside the hospital. In other words, you know, the labor and delivery floor is, is treating labor and delivery and not COVID patients. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think that you know you still have quite a quite a scare there and and quite a lockdown. So I, I don't I don't really think um, you, know, you can kind of revisit the uh, reopening conversation for for I'd say a good solid month. Uh, you know, from now on on the dentistry end to really largely see offices open for more than just emergency. I think, I think it's a check back in a month uh, situation in New York. And what do you expect when you be reopened? Do you think that the, uh, the restriction would be to the roof as a, a dental clinic? Yeah, you know, I, I really think, uh, you know, dentistry is going to change greatly. Um, you know, there are going to have to be, you know, different PPE requirements. There are going to have to be different aerosol control requirements. Uh, there's going to have to be a different, you know, operational workflow through the office. 
these are things, these are costs that they're not used to bearing after a period of you know, starvation due to lack of patience and lack of revenue. These are new regulations and new, new materials that people are not as, as comfortable with or used to. I think there's definitely a steep learning curve um, in addition to you know, various lags in the supply chain. Um, so I, I think that that largely is is a part of uh, is a part of the delay. And the other side of it is you know people feeling comfortable coming back into that office, right? Uh, you know the, the consumers are are aware as well that you know dentistry puts aerosols in the air. It's been highly publicized and covered in the news. Um, you know, so getting consumers to feel comfortable that what's going on in that office uh, is is safe for them, I think, is is a big portion. Dentists are going to have to turn their attention to. A real consumer-driven approach, and uh, you know, making their offices a very safe place. Okay, so that was New York. Next up will be New Jersey, with uh, 151,000 cases and about 11,000 deaths. It's again Dr. Krell who'll be speaking for the state of New Jersey. Dr. Krell, yeah, you have the. Thank floor. you, Dr. Bach. Um, yeah, so New Jersey, again, a big feeder state to, uh, to New York. Um, obviously, a lot of people here rely on their jobs in New York City and rely on public transportation to get in and out of New York City. These are big concerns, um, you know, going, uh, going into the, the crisis um, and coming out of it. Uh, going back to work, uh, so, you know, we, we saw a little bit of, sp of spike. I think the lowest numbers around May 12th, May 13th were a hair over 800, 798, 800 cases. Um, and now coming back to, uh, you know, around May 17th, uh, May 18th, they went up to, to 1,700 volt. Here's hoping those, those stay down. Uh, today's number, or yesterday's numbers, uh, 21st. A couple of days numbers are a little better, here over a thousand cases. Um, you have a few counties, and, and, and it certainly makes sense based on their locations that are at the top of the, the list here. Hudson County, which is where I live um, in Jersey City, where my one of my two offices are, is, is upwards of 17, 18,000 uh, cases confirmed. And uh, Bergen and, and Essex counties uh, are, are very, very closely behind. So these are a lot of the, the counties that are clustered around major commuter areas to, to New York City. So it's really kind of New York City spillover. You can obviously see the effects here. Um, one thing New Jersey has done, especially Jersey City, Hoboken, these counties that are, are sitting close to the commuter border, uh, they have really kind of locked down pretty early, um, which, is, which is good, um, uh, at least from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, they have also rolled out broad testing. Uh, so testing at this point, uh, antibody testing, uh, and antigen tested testing are offered uh, in some cases even for free to all of these counties. You can come between certain hours to certain places and, and get tested. So we'll have a hopefully have a better grip on on what the actual numbers are here, uh, you know, versus just relying on on hospital, you know, and, and confirmed cases coming from from that route. From a, from a dental standpoint, uh, the New Jersey Dental Association is is sort of in a gray area, uh, uh, essentially. Um, as of May 18th, uh, you know they they were um, had received a statement from uh, the the governor that was unclear. Uh, it did not clarify the state that that, that dental offices should or could be in. Uh, so the president and president-elect president here is Thomas uh, Rossi, Dr. Thomas Rossi. Uh, president-elect is Dr. Mitchell Weiner. Uh, both of them have, have requested uh, that there be immediate clarification. Uh, to the position of dental offices uh, here in New Jersey. 
Um, so that that vagueness has and confusion has has not has not been clarified. Um, so I think you're seeing that the vast majority of offices uh, remain, um, you know, either closed or open for emergencies only. Uh, on the medical side, you know, just for comparison, um, you know, surgical procedures have only resumed as of you know a few days ago, sort of within the last week. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean they weren't happening. Uh, there are penalties, um, you know, but compared to you know surgical. Uh, you know, revenue, uh, the upside is, is a lot higher. So some of the, see the surgeons sort of accepting some of these punitive downsides. Um, but, you know, in total, things have been pretty closed down in New Jersey, maybe not quite as much as, as New York City. I will say, you know, if you look out your window, just as a, you know, putting on my a general consumer hat, people here want something different. I think they're sick and tired of this. Um, you see them going to, you know, walking outside, social distancing, of course, um, Mass compliance is mixed. Um, I'd say it's, you know, roughly just from, you know, my own eye, 30 to 50%. Uh, people do not want to wear masks. Uh, it seems pretty clear in this area that they do not want this to be a regular thing. Uh, I think they want, they want to move on. I think their minds want to forget, uh, you know, these past few beginning months of, of 2020. That worries me a little bit because um, compliance here is what's going to keep the caseload down and hopefully get us through this. Um, but on the other, you know, sort of bright side at the end of the tunnel, uh, you know, I, I know we hear a lot of talk about things will be different, you know, will be different for the long term, will be different forever. I think in the dental office, we, we will be safe to protect ourselves and, and patients as a whole. Uh, but I think consumers, um, while they want something, you know, while they want to feel safe in a dental office right now, if they're to come in, I think they want to move past this as quickly as possible. And I do think they, they will, uh, you know, sort of move, move on from it as soon as that be becomes uh, you know, remotely acceptable. Yes, we made it. We did. This was an impossible journey. Impossible because a month ago, we had no plan, we have no team, we have no hope. The only thing we had was time and we made the most with what was given. This crazy journey, I met friends for life. I reached out and connected with people I never even knew existed. Dr. Paul Wallet was the first among dentists to answer my call. Today, we call ourselves brothers from under the mother. I have to tell you, the man has the age of my father. But yes, I'm having fun with him. I can tell you why. Because even at 75, he still looked forward with hope. He's still open to embrace the opportunity. I'd like to salute Dr. Eric Lacoste, who has been a friend, one I never met in real life. And together, we went through thick and thin. How can I go forward without mentioning Dr. Paul Dominique, Dr. Robert Boy, who also joined us, bringing his wisdom and influence on board. It's through those chances that I took that change is coming. And yes, we'll be sharing everything back to you. How to go forward without thanking my mentors, people who were with me all through this crisis. Mr. Christian Trudeau, who was a friend, mentor, and confident throughout this crisis. Mr. André Chatelain, friend and mentor, you were among the first people who accept my interviews. You went online and share openly your wisdom and thought with the world. For this, I thank you. For the first time in our lifetime, 
all interests align. The age of competition is over. The age of collaboration has started. We got two books out of this crisis. Aftermath and Relevancy. I am proud to present to you the authors of Relevancy, people who will be joining me on the new summit. Maybe our last before the end of this confinement, we all knew that the end of the great break was just the beginning of our journey. So yes, we'll be there sharing with you. We'll be there keeping you in the loop. We'll be there keeping supporting you. Stay tuned, keep your hopes up, reach out, and together we'll prevail. I'm Dr. Bach, welcome to the office. Zoom yet, but and uh, based on our talk, you, you're thinking that you might have one or two months before you can reopen. But what, in terms of uh, your expectation, financially speaking, what will be the situation when you be opening? You 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 think that your patient will just rush back, or that's will uh, have, have changed forever? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really um, different environment. I do not think patients are going to rush back. I think. You know, now drawing from, you know, some of the consumer insights I've had at, you know, Quip, a consumer, more consumer facing company, patients are not very compliant. They, you know, they go to the dentist on, on average once every eight to nine months. They don't brush their teeth two minutes twice a day. Uh, they don't change their brush heads. They don't brush evenly. Right? They don't necessarily like, you know, their, their home care or coming into the, the dentist or to see the hygienist. So, no, I, I don't think people are going to, you know, sort of have dentistry on the top of their mind unless they're in pain. Um, you know, or they have some other urgent, uh, you know, med medical issue. Um, so I think, uh, I, I think that is, that is a big problem. Um, I do think offices need to look at, you know, alternative sources of, of revenue. I think the New Jersey Dental Association, you know, has made pretty clear loan applications uh, out to New Jersey Dental Association members. Uh, so there are, there are opportunities to, you know, to seek um, you know, some loan that way. Uh, and there are other loans for small businesses out there, depending on the staff you retain uh, as, as well. Um, I think dentists are going to have to go out and do a little bit more teledentistry and community health and maybe mobile dentistry, you know, sort of ex go to the consumers rather than, you know, expect the consumers to come to them uh, as patients. I think the way they do marketing is going to need to change, uh, especially in these areas. Um, you know, really get people to, to come into the office. So I think, I think those elements, uh, as well as, you know, I previously mentioned and was previously mentioned by others, the, the, the operational flow through that office, those are going to be the, you know, I think the biggest, um, the biggest changes and communicating that to your patients. Thank you, Dr. Crow. Uh, let's keep the updates and uh, we wish you all the luck. And hopefully we can push your, your state board to uh, to adopt some, some measure based on what we've learned from the other states and other countries here. Yeah, that, that would be nice. Uh, and, and hopefully it'll be kind of a lead, leader area of the country. And you know, I think others can, and that's maybe you know, the hesitancy that you know, they're holding off on. I, I think a lot of other states are gonna look to, well, New York is you know, was the worst and, and it did this. Um, so I think, I think they're being careful. I think they're taking their time and um, you know, hopefully we, uh, we get through this. Dr. Pulver, you should be next with Illinois. Okay, excellent. 
We so, have in the state of Illinois uh, 103,000 cases, 4.6 thousand deaths, and Dr. Poover will be speaking for the state of Illinois. Okay. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'll talk a little bit for two states, Illinois and Indiana, because my office is in Indiana and I'm living in Illinois. Um, and I think that's, you know, let's talk about just the, the numbers specifically in Illinois. Um, we're getting more testing done. Most of our testing that's done across the country is for symptomatic patients. And the numbers are a little deceiving because we can look at trends and we can, you know, look at, at it's, it's not a great topic, death numbers. Um, but uh, to understand the prevalence of the virus in our communities is more of a challenge. And it, it's hit the different communities across our nation differently and across the world differently. So you have more urban centers and rural areas and, and they're different. So when you say the state of Illinois, um, it's very different depending on where you live. Just like New York, the state of New York is very different depending on where you live. So I think that although we're, we're, we were off to a slow start, we're getting a bit better with our testing and the testing still has false negatives and false positives. Uh, it leaves us with a bit of a question uh, as to how many people out there have the virus. So when we say that in, in the state of Illinois, we're about 4,600 people have passed away and there's about 1.2 million positive uh, test results. We're not 100% sure how accurate those numbers are, but we do know the death numbers to some degree, um, other than those that may not have been uh, attributed to COVID that may have had comorbidities. So it's interesting, I uh, recently found some information out of uh, the University of Bonn. Um, I think that the town is, I may be mispronouncing it, Gangle, Gangled, and they had a large enough um, impact of COVID positive testing and they randomly tested it and they came up with a um, something called an infection fatality rate that projected the number of cases that would be positive based on the death rate. And it was about a tenfold larger number of positive cases that were in the community uh, when they extrapolated into other areas or uh, around the world. So in some way that gives us a little bit of, of hope because there's more people that we believe have been infected with COVID, uh, you know, the coronavirus, than have, have either shown symptoms or, or passed away. So that lowers the, the death rate numbers. It doesn't mean that we uh, can't, you know, have to, should ignore this. We, it's a real deal. Um, we have to respect the virus. And we can also look at studies that are coming out that are checking the viability and the virulence of the virus that's found in an aerosol or on a, a countertop or on the floors. And just last week, there was some research done out of uh, four uh, hospitals in Israel that were, was pre-published that showed that the virus didn't appear to be viable. Uh, so it may not be transmissible. And I think that we don't have all the answers yet, but as we move through this, because it's real-time information that we're learning, we may find new things that, that we can actually utilize in understanding what equipment do we need in the office? Do we need 
hypochlorous foggers? Do we need UVC light? Do we need, what type of HEPA filters do we need? What is it that will create a safe environment? And I think that um, the numbers tell a story. They tell us that it's real, that we have to be aware of them, but we need more accurate numbers. Um, that same study also showed that there's about 20% of the population is asymptomatic. Um, other research shows that it's about, um, you know, you, you can transmit this because the virus, the load goes up during this asymptomatic time. And it's not until about two and a half days, about two and a half days before you get the virus, you can spread it. And about a half a day before you're at the highest uh, concentration of the viral particles for spreading and it tapers off over seven days. So there's a bit of a window if we can find and screen for our patients in our offices uh, that we can control and limit the number of patients or potential exposures within our office. And then if we utilize certain systems within our office, we then have more control. And I think that with more control, like anything else in our lives, like Eric just mentioned, you know, we're all anxious going back to work and we should be. And so are our staff and so may be our patients. But the, the more, um, just like riding a bike, if you're a child, you know, maybe I, I cannot ride my bike for a whole year and I know I'm gonna ride it fine. But when you're younger, you kind of wonder, am I gonna be okay if I haven't rid, rode on my bike for a while? But once we get back into it, we'll feel more confident and comfortable, but we still need to have the proper protective things around us. Um, and I think that there's some things that we can do and we don't have to discuss that now, but there are certain things that we put together, you know, that, that break it down into silos um, of protection for PPE, um, the aerosol, uh, minimizing contact, utilizing technology um, and, Everyone, it will be different. If Eric's office requires an elevator, that's going to be different than someone that can walk in the front door. Um, you know, everyone will be looking at it differently. So I think that understanding the numbers, uh, understanding how the tests work and, and, and the accuracy of these tests is going to really be what drives us forward. Um, and, uh, you know, working with our teams to create a safer environment will be important too. So, you know, it's hard for me to tell you what the numbers actually mean. Um, but if we look down at the facts and the research that's being done, I think we can find a, uh, a safe way forward and, and, and building some controls that will give us a little bit more, um, less anxiety, let's say, because we can control a few things that we believe will create a safe environment. So. No, that's it, Dr. Poover, you, br you brought something up that was very interesting. It's about the Swiss cheese strategy. You would like to just clarify that because I think that that might save a lot of trouble. Well, I, I can show you what, do I have time to show you what, my, my, what that looks like? Please. Okay, let's see here. The pictures here. This is a presentation I did. I, I don't know that I can get right down to where I want immediately. Um, there's a lot of information in here, um, but that's part of the, here we go, the uh, Enhanced Patient Protection Plan. And the Swiss cheese, I will give this to my very dear 
and close friend Praveer Sharma, who's an oral surgeon in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, there's a group of us that were discussing different things that we wanted to implement, and he took it in his uh, artistic uh, mind and put this together, and it really helped to uh, explain what we were looking at. And he talked about these different um, components that could help create a safe environment. And first, we would have the air management or decontamination or disinfection of the atmosphere. And it's important to know how large your room is, how many square feet it is, what the cubic feet per minute is of the unit that you may be putting in. Because if you're putting a unit in that's in the room, but it's not effective, it's not helping. So, you know, we go into that, you know, that, that's a, you know, you can look up that information, you can reach out to Bach, he can connect with me if anyone out there is interested in finding out more about that. Social distancing standards, using technology to space our patients, using our waiting room in a different way. I mean, it's a waiting room. No one ever likes to wait. Our patients are pretty happy to, to find out they're not waiting, uh, that they come in and they have their work. Uh, done in a, in a much more efficient way um, and also communicating that way. So there's a whole bunch that can be done. It's not just about standing six feet apart. It's about implementing technology, teledentistry and other things to uh, build up bonds and, and connect with your patients so that they're comfortable moving forward in this way. And then there's also the PPE, which I'm sure Jeremy can discuss more, uh, you know, Obtaining this is a challenge. Obtaining the right PPE is a challenge. And then once you have it, knowing how to wear it properly and, and put your mask on so it's effective. Um, all these things are really important. And we put this together into a uh, bombs enhanced patient protection plan. And we've broken down these things so that they can be selected and customized um, for each office. And each of them is a topic that we go into in detail when, we, when, we, when I'm doing a more in-depth uh, seminar or session. And each of these helped to build um, trust in the team. And more importantly, as a, as a dental healthcare provider and a dental professional, we should be providing this and sharing this information with our patients because if they understand that we have a safe environment to come to, that anxiety that we you know, all have, even ourselves going to the dental office, which by the way, I find when I'm there, it's, they do such a nice job and, and, and that, that fear of those ideas are often unwarranted. Um, but nevertheless, we understand it exists. So we should be leading the way in creating these environments so that we, we are ahead of the game. And people say, look what the dentist did. Look what, what, what the dental profession, the hygienist, the assistants, the dental teams did to create a safe environment. And what can we learn from it? Rather than us falling behind and, and being pointed out like, beware of the aerosols in the dental office. We should be saying, there are none. This is safe. We turn the room around every four and a half minutes with the atmosphere and it's safe. We do this between patients we, we're, and so forth. So these are some things that, um, you know, I, 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 that, that I'm going to click out of this and stop sharing. But I think that those are some of the things that can really impact our profession when we move forward to what might be a better normal than what we left. You know, you just got yourself on the summit for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you know, okay, great. <laughs> you know, if, if it can help just these people, if, if, if this helps um, one patient or one dentist or one hygienist or assistant feel more confident or even a front administrator in an office come back to work so that we can provide the care that we, we, we provide as dental professionals, um, I, I, I'm up for it because I think that, you know, this isn't the only way. There are a lot of good ideas out there, and, and I'm not by any means an infectious disease expert. I'm just, you know, someone that's taken ideas and trying to figure out how can we create something safe. For All right. We'll ask you, can you just repeat your last? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Can, can you hear me all right now? Yeah, no, no. Okay. Yeah, I, I said it's just really important that we provide um, a safe environment for our teams, our patients, you know, whether you're, you're the provider of this or you're the patient, you know, in the communities in which we live as a dental profession, we sh it would be nice to share something that could help us all shine and be a leader through this challenging time. So, you know, that, that's, that's where I think all this comes from and it's a collaboration of ideas for many people that I'm happy to be able to share with people as well to make an impact. Well, for the name of the tour, the, the whole dental industry, I'll thank you in advance say that you have a lot to share. <laughs> now, let's, see, let's see if we can resume back to Illinois and also Indiana. Uh, are you practicing yet? Uh, yes, I am. Uh, so we're, we saw patients uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. We're, uh, see, we, we do all the consultations. I have a couple of consultations I'm doing um, this afternoon as well from my home. And I have some staff in the office and our patients are at their homes. Um, and we, we have all our afternoons. We, we see very few patients, but we do see some for follow-ups or final uh, implant checks. Uh, we've been doing our, our scan bodies and we're able to send that to the lab and then the labs can then go to the restorative doctor's office and the restorative doctor in the lab can work digitally to uh, create their emergence profiles or their occlusions and so forth. And they do all that work you know, outside of the office, which patients like, and, and they know that's being done instead of coming into the chair. And I think that um, we've done some uh, checks as well. We've had patients that have been at referring doctor's offices and they've done their online health histories. They've got on their smartphones and they've done their teleconsults and signed all their documents and their forms on their, on their smartphone. And by the time they came over, they've come in with, um, some of them had significant infections fascial infections and we were able to bring them in and they were comfortable and we sedated them and did our work and we're able to send them on the way and it was efficient and they appreciated that so we are back dentists are going back as well uh, we've shared the presentation that i just showed you a little bit of with uh well on some larger webinars across the country but also locally uh, with our dental society with our seattle study club and um, we're hoping that this is a time that we can all bond together to the best practices. So yes, we, we have gone. My colleagues in Chicago are more on an emergency uh, basis right now, but that will be changing soon. So 
you know, that, that I'd say, not specific to your question, was one of the early challenges was that you had uh, information coming from the governor's offices with our rules and laws and different information coming from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and OSHA. Um, and, you know, there was a, a challenge and then the World Health Organization would come in and everyone was saying a little bit different. And now I think we're getting more aligned and I believe that the American Dental Association has done a real nice job in, in putting things together. And while you may say, well, it wasn't fast enough, well, we all got hit by something unusual. I mean, it took a while, but I really like the direction that they're going in, the information that they're coming out with. The Health Policy Institute is giving us amazing statistics under Marco's direction. Um, and, and I think that we're, we're all learning a lot from this and hopefully we'll be more prepared if something like this were to occur again. But we're, we're doing all right. There's a lot of good things happening. It just took a bit of time. And in terms of patient perspective, how are your patients reacting to, to what's going on? Talk about safety, but also talk, talking about uh, treatment acceptation. Has yeah, that's funny. I thought they used to come in because they thought I was nice and everything. Um, but it, they seem to be okay with, without spending that much time with me. And, and, and it's kind of, I, I thought that, that and I, I'm not, I mean, I still, we all have to be nice and we all have to be competent, but there's this bridge that's kind of slowly dissolving or going away that people are more accepting of and we're looking towards implementing through that technology, through calls like what we're doing today, right? I think if I saw, you know, Maria or Paul or Julio somewhere, I know Jeremy, uh, we'd stop and talk like we knew each other because we had a call today like this. And before we would have meetings on zoom and we'd hang up and, and maybe I'd remember that person later if I saw them. So it's, we're, we're, we're doing this at home with our friends. We're doing this with our children. We're, we're connecting more than just a, a telephone call. And I think that that's transferring over. And if we can capture that in what's going to be, you know, our future, we can implement this. It's going to be challenging. We're, we're learning how to make it efficient. Um, and, and my patients have been surprisingly accepting of it. I think they've been relieved that there's a, 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 they, they're finding a safe environment. They're finding that things are different. But, you know, they're not just walking in on that day and finding that out. We're explaining that EPPP form. We do that on our teledentistry. So teledentistry isn't about charging a fee to talk to someone through teledentistry. Teledentistry is about educating and implementing systems to minimize what you used to do while they were sitting in the waiting room. And I mean, we, that was a bad name altogether, the waiting room. I don't like to wait for anything, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, so we should have called it something else. <laughs> but maybe if we can change how that is, People are accepting of this and we explain it to them. So we tell them, this is why we're doing this. This is what we're, we've implemented. This is how your, uh, your uh, procedure and experience will be. They're accepting of that. If they show up and it's all different and they get confused, that might be hard for them. So we have to be aware of all that. And the same thing goes for your teams. The teams have to understand this too. It's new. And, and, and I think you have to listen to everyone on your team. 
uh, about what their concerns are and, and sort of give it time and, and let them choose and, and, and be adaptable, knowing that the goal is a safe environment. So surprisingly, but patients have embraced it and they've liked it, they've appreciated it, and they've respected wearing the masks. Um, they may have different opinions, but they all go with the flow. And then they seem to be happy with the flow. It's only been three weeks, but they've been happy with, you know, the care they've received. Um, and I think it's, it's the beginning of something kind of special and new. Thank you, Dr. Poover. And uh, hopefully I'll see you pretty soon because uh, we have another summit to organize. <laughs> Every time I thought that, that would be the last summit and the last summit, and no, not yet. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Bank. Welcome to the office. Welcome to MDEX. We are in the midst of the confinement. I did escape. No worries. I'm all alone by myself. But mainly, I am eager to resume my work and to welcome all of you back to clinic. This is addressed to all my patients, to all my colleagues, and also to all my peers. If there's one thing that I've learned through this crisis, is that going forward, we need to share, we need to stay together, and we need to, to consult each other in order to find the better practice, the better way to move forward. Yes, all enterprises are fighting for their own survival, and if there's one thing that I've done for the last two months, it's asking for a break. It's calling my landlord, calling my banks, calling everybody to ask them for a break, knowing that it is hard for everybody. I'd like to thank all those who were very comprehensive and cut on our fees, cut on our payment while they themselves are fighting. For this, I thank you. Looking back at you, I know that you've been through the same thing, maybe even worse. So before you ask, yes, our biggest big thing for MDEX to cut you some break. Going through this, this one man I met, his name is Dr. Paul Wallet. He did that about 10 years ago, at the last recession. He found a way to keep the economy running, to save his practice, and also to be part of society to a, a better level. And I'm proud today to announce that the Wealth Initiative will be implemented by MDEX in Canada, and everything that we do will be passed on to all of you. To my patient, they will benefit that break. To our new patient, you're welcome to join to the effort and to join with a smile and a hope. To all my colleagues working with me, yes, there's a way to resume work. To all of you, my peers and colleagues, we'll be sharing with you everything that we've learned on the way, what we've learned, what worked, what didn't work. Because as I promise, this is not a competitive edge. It's a way to save all of us. It's a way to stay relevant in our industry. It's a way to stay relevant in our society. This is the Wealth Initiative. For those of you who missed the summit, it is available online for free. And for the rest of you, I am just eager to see you smile, to shake your hands, to give you a big hug. And yes, I'm a hugger and the virus won't change that. I'm Dr. Back. welcome to the office. Yes, Florida, with 48.7 thousand cases and maybe uh, 2.1 thousand deaths. 
Dr. Paul Wallet will be standing for Florida. Dr. Wallet, are you? Yes, with I'm us? here. Um, Thank you for your patience. <laughs> I didn't. It's fantastic, Eric. Great job, and Jeremy. So nice to meet an, a serial entrepreneur. Um, I want to be just like you when I grow up. Um, but anyways, uh, as an older, uh, I guess a, a senior uh, orthodontist, the thing that I fear the most is uh, taking cement off when I put a bracket on or when I remove braces. Uh, sometimes if a bracket's loose, I always take some cement off and uh, we create a lot of aerosols. So I've been looking into you know, different uh, solutions for that, uh, that problem that I have as an orthodontist. I actually don't, do not want to go back to the office and do that anymore. I want to have a virtual practice and I think I need to uh, simplify my practice. So maybe Jeremy can help me do that. Um, I've been creating some videos. I, I hired uh, a actress from um, uh, a website called Fiverr, Fiverr.com, a great source for uh, logos and writing and anything you want to have done. Uh, I've done some movie trailers and, and advertising things with them. So I found this fantastic uh, girl that spoke Spanish and English, and she created a couple videos, uh, one in Spanish, one in uh, English so that I can have patients uh, take photos and videos. And uh, on my uh, websites, which I'm having programmed offshore um, and brought up to date, we're putting in a quick smile exam so that I can see these patients before they even hit the office. Just like Eric said, uh, there's systems of uh, you know, patient intake and I wanna intake them virtually. And then I also wanna do some dental monitoring and uh, maybe Jeremy has a solution for monitoring uh, patients um, or his team of programmers can um, you know, help me put something like that together so I can do a lot of virtual visits. Uh, so one of the things, uh, can I share my screen here? I wanted to show you um, some information, so let me do that. Okay, you see this, uh, this doctor, physician, um, uh, Dr. Slat Slatnik. Uh, she put together a fantastic way of making a low-cost respirator mask that we might be able to wear uh, when I take cement off teeth. So I went ahead and I ordered the parts. So here's the respirator mask here. And then these are little HEPA filters that uh, CPAP uh, patients use. And then one of the things I haven't gotten yet, I'm going to order a CPAP machine. I'm thinking of actually creating my own airflow. I don't know if that's the, you know, some sort of a, a positive oxygen, um, not oxygen, because you can get toxic uh, reaction if it's pure oxygen, but uh, to circulate the air on, on my face. Okay, so here's the mask. This was about $13 on eBay, and it's real, it's, um, real soft here, and it's just a respirator mask for administering oxygen. And um, the lady that I showed you before, she's the one that put this whole thing together because they didn't have masks in the hospital, they had a shortage. So she went ahead and created this thing to hold the mask on with a little strap. And so what I'm gonna do is try to hold it on. Uh, I was, was talking about the head uh, thing that uh, is like a scarf and it goes over my head and I'll be able to pull it up when I'm close to patients. And um, I'm gonna try to create a way of holding the mask in place when I'm doing the uh, aerosol procedures. But if I can get a, a virtual practice going, I will have associates do all the braces removal and all of the uh, attachments that we use in Invisalign. Uh, there's also a company uh, that just launched, they were supposed to launch in 
Atlanta at the American Association of Orthodontists meeting. And of course, we canceled that meeting, our association did. And I just found out about them. Uh, it's a group of uh, ex-employees from Align Tech. And the, uh, one of the uh, programmers that uh, uh, programmed all the latest software in ClinCheck, uh, he's starting the company with others, some of their marketing people and so on. And it's called OrthoFX, F is in Frank, X is in X-ray. And what they're doing is they're marketing directly to the public, just like Smile Direct Club, but there's gonna be a doctor attached to the case instead of the patients uh, really not getting monitored. And they will um, acquire the patient for you, they'll handle the financing, and within they're gonna charge $3,950 a case, and the orthodontist gets sent $2,500 in two days. And so what I'm planning to do with my virtual practice is approach some of the general dentists uh, in the area that want to introduce, um, you know, virtual orthodontics into their practice. Also would um, be kindly, uh, kind enough to scan the patient so that I have a file. I can do all the monitoring and consults and everything and see the patient virtually. Uh, whenever they need a new scan, I can send them into that office or if they need to have attachments removed um, the uh, the dentist would be responsible for that and it'll be a revenue sharing model to where the dentist would get x number of dollars and i as the uh, treating orthodontist uh, and i'm thinking 50 50 right now but i i'm still talking with fx they're putting together a program and i think jeremy probably should get in touch with this company if he has not already because they may need some help with some of your uh, virtual software uh, platforms that you have. I did listen to uh, your interview with Dr. Bach and I was blown away with some of the stuff you're doing. And, um, you know, thank you for being so creative. And I do have one of your quick brushes that I travel with. So those are some of the things I'm trying to do to control aerosol. Um, I'm trying to, at my age, um, I think there's going to be, um, you know, um, other orthodontists that might want to do something similar. Uh, when this hit, uh, I had practice brokers calling me up saying, hey, we have an orthodontist. He just wants to get out the door. So he, he wants to sell his practice. Uh, he's over in Tallahassee. One of the doctors they told me about, I don't think I want to start creating uh, uh, brick and mortar uh, locations anymore. I'd like to do it with, with the uh, technology that we have available to us today. Also, uh, we've had an iPhone app since 2010. We were the first to have a uh, app called Braces Help, and uh, we've had 80,000 downloads of it, and it was, it was free, and it was used to promote our practice, uh, dentalspecialist.com. We had every specialty, and we would use that for iPhone uh, visits back in 2010. If somebody had a uh, broken wire or something bothered them, a dental emergency, a broken tooth, they would contact us through our website, they would send us a picture and I actually would myself do all of the uh, consultations on that. And now it's, it's really gone to the next step. And uh, so uh, hopefully uh, Maria will get to uh, talk about, you know, what she's doing in, in the teledentistry platform because she's taking it to the next level. Uh, one of the things that I want to do is I want to create a package that the patients can directly buy dental monitoring cells, a little thing that looks like a, uh, a set of virtual glasses uh, that you know you've seen those virtual things is about that size you put your iphone in and you put it on your mouth and you can actually take a video of your mouth as you move it around and it will um, 
we'll link all the pictures together. I think Invisalign, Align Tech is doing this now as well. They're coming out with a, uh, with a product. So that is one of the um, platforms I may use. It might be through Align Tech, except uh, their fees are so high, there won't be much margin left. Uh, but um, the, the, uh, the company, OrthoFX, they have um, three fees, uh, 4950, 3950, and 2950. They get the patients, they collect the money, and all I have to do is see the patients. So I, I think it sounds like a good model. I hope they're successful. Uh, so one of the things I want to do is have the patients be able to order that directly so when they send pictures, they're standardized so that we, I would be able to see their progress maybe in that little uh, moving video over time. The patients would take pictures of themselves every week. Uh, another thing is I've ordered some uh, little um, USB cams and some wireless um, intraoral cams that are very inexpensive from China. Uh, they have not arrived yet. They're in the $40 range. So if I could put together like a $99 package that would include the, uh, the dental monitoring for taking the pictures and then maybe a little USB camera, uh, we would be able to obtain pictures of the patients and that would be sent to our portal. Our portal is a website called quicksmile.com. I've had that domain for a while. So it's quick smile virtual exam. And so um, the uh, programmer, uh, she's from Pakistan. I've worked with her about a year. Uh, she's written a back-end uh, PHP part of it to uh, be able to uh, keep all the patients in a, a EMR uh, format, uh, places for uh, templates that um, their photos can be in. So it looks like the orthodontist's uh, usual template of uh, photos, so it's organized. And then um, she's also going to provide it for the patients so they can actually um, uh, crop their pictures and put them in the right order. And my idea in the marketing would be when we do the virtual uh, exam, you'll get a $50 discount uh, off our fee if you decide to use us or you can go anywhere you want with this information and see another doctor. But if you'll use the template and get all the pictures lined up and do a really good job, you get a $99 discount. And that uh, basically could also pay for the package that either would be given to them by the orthodontist or they can buy it uh, from another source. I don't want to get into um, uh, marketing uh, or not marketing, inventorying a lot of stuff in an office. We do have a uh, marketing company we've had for almost 40 years called Century 2001. Uh, and that was something we thought of 40 years ago. So um, the, the Century 2001 is here now. Um, and my brother and his um, wife run the company. We do uniforms, embroidery, uh, T-shirts. Um, a lot of our uh, T-shirts have gone up in uh, space with the astronauts because we're in Brevard County. So uh, we have done marketing for different doctors through that company. And so we might distribute it through that company uh, if this idea goes. So a patient can actually have a little take-home kit they can order, and they'll be able to send us... Um, hopefully diagnostic quality photos and videos so that we can see them just from home and then they only have to come in maybe once or twice a year. So that is what I'm trying to put together right now in my spare time. <laughs> Paul, I can see you have your next 50 years covered. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? 27? How old are you? 27, 28? <laughs> uh, no, um, what, what are you, 47? <laughs> 
I think you look at 47. If I listen to you. you know, 47, like to no, actually, you can reverse the 47 to 74 plus 2. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we'll be hearing a lot from Unix. But I'm getting confused here. All the gears to show at the beginning, were those gears that you think that you need or the, the state required them? Oh, no, no. This is something to make my job easy so that I can get a good view of the patient uh, because most of the photos that we would get that a patient takes, they don't know, you know, how, how to retract the mouth and how to get the right picture. In the videos I created, I showed them how to do it and, uh, you know, do it with a couple spoons. And, and, uh, but it's still not going to be the quality that, uh, could be, that is diagnostic. Uh, the cam, I haven't tried the cam yet. Once we get it in the mouth, we'll probably be able to see better the periodontal condition of a patient. Also, as the teeth are moving, we can, you know, see rotations. We can see braces or brackets that have to be repositioned. So uh, if I get the patients su supplying this information, and it probably... We lost Paul. You know, time in their schedule. And, and they won't have to be sitting in a waiting room. And by the way, I think waiting rooms are going to disappear. I, I like the uh, thing that I'm calling park, uh, parking lot orthodontics. I was doing that at my son's office in St. Augustine. He had forgotten his briefcase, so I had to bring it to his office, which is only a mile away from my home. So I bring his briefcase. I'm getting out of the car, putting my mask on, getting ready to walk in his office. And then I hear my son talking to me from behind me. He's, a, he's uh, in the other side of the parking lot talking with a mother while the child's inside having the adjustment. So in other words, he saw the patient, he told the assistant what to do, and then he goes out in the parking lot and is doing PR and talking with the mother. I thought, well, gosh, that's what I want to do. That's great. We'll have more time to talk with our patients. Now, orthodontists can get away with that because we delegate so much. But if you have associate doctors, the, the, uh, the boss should be out there doing PR, or at least one of the staff members, a treatment coordinator, can be out in the parking lot doing PR, you know, giving the uh, instructions and, and results of, uh, you know, what the doctor uh, found on that day and what they did. I'd like to readdress the situation on the field. I, I think that you, you both work on the state of Florida and Georgia, which yeah. are, the numbers are pretty similar. Um, are you allowed to resume your practice yet? Well, we were allowed two weeks ago to actually, you know, do soft openings. Uh, it's not just um, for emergencies only now. We can see patients. So my son, the implant dentist, he's been busy. Um, this is his second week this week. And, um, and my other son just got to work, I think, this week. Um, my son could have gone back to work, but he wasn't ready. He was getting, you know, partitions put in between his open bay chairs. Um, his staff, um, one was pregnant, so she's not coming back. And another uh, one of his staff was getting more money to stay at home. So this is one of the problems we're going to have that if the government keeps passing out more money than, you know, we can afford to pay the, uh, the team members, then we're going to probably be replacing our staff, which that's why uh, Jason started a week late. And, um, but he's going well. He's really tired because he's having to do a lot of the adjustments himself. As I told you in some of my other webinars at orthodontist we know how to point <laughs> do this do that and and so that that's the way we practice and then the only time we have to really get in there is when we have a loose brace or we're removing braces or checking when we put the braces on there's only like three times that we really have to get close and interact with the patient most of the time 
uh, everything's uh, delegated. And uh, about the state's requirement, is there anything special that the states require you to do differently from before the crisis? Just the, the PPE. And it, the funny thing is, we were doing all of what we're doing now in the past. And I, I was thinking of crises that I've lived through in the past. And I sent you, remember I sent you that um, thing I had on my um, on hold, where we're telling the patients, don't worry, um, you know, we were protecting you from HIV. So when they had that HIV outbreak, um, we actually, in our marketing to the patients on the telephone, told them, well, don't worry because we have the latest CDC. We were using the exact same wording that we're using today. Dentists have done a really good job of, um, in general, of protecting the patient and protecting the staff. But when you have untreatable bacteria and uh, virus, um, it, it's a game changer. So we are going to have to go to the next step with uh, the aerosol problem and, um, you know, giving the patients masks for a while until we have a uh, vaccine. But we can learn from this because just because we, we solved the CV-19 problem, that doesn't mean there's CV-20 is going to be here next year. Actually, it's going to be called CV-21. It's going to be a different virus, a different problem. So we're, we should learn from this, and this is an opportunity to um, you know, protect ourselves. Uh, we should have the highest resistance of any worker in the world because we're right on the front line of breathing their germs from day one as dentists. Thank you, Paul. And I'm pretty sure that we will see you uh, pretty soon. With all your ideas, you the overachiever here. <laughs> I don't know about that. I just need help in, uh, in putting them together and, and been doing a lot of research because what I might tell you today, next time, if I find something even better, I will let you know. I'm, I'm always trying to learn. You know, I have a big mouth, so everything you, you tell me, everybody else will know. <laughs> I know. You spread the word. All right. Missouri. It's our next stop with 11,000 cases and 661 death. Uh, death sorry. Um, Dr. Kurt Stater will be standing for Missouri State. I am so sorry to keep a lady waiting, but we're so lucky. <laughs> yes, so few cases in your, your states. Well, I, I, I don't have much to say. We've all got, you know, we've covered all, all territories here. M Missouri, unlike, un unbeknownst to everybody not from here, we don't have... Cowboys and Indians still hitching up downtown. I know the New Yorkers think that, but my, my family's from New York, so um, we have more more cows than people. That's not true either, but we have, we, I think uh, I love Dr. Krill's uh, comment that confirmed cases uh, probably under tested, but since I'm the teledentist, we're treating patients all over the country, and I thought I'd just take a quick, um, my moments to talk about what people are coming to us four in all of your states and all over the country. And, um, in, you know, we, we are tracking uh, people calling in, and uh, I'm not even going to remember who all said this, but we are, pro we are providing that access to care in people, you know, the, in the comfort of their own homes, in the palm of their hands. People can talk to you if you have teledentistry in your offices, if they're your patient. But um, statistically, so far, 64% of the people that have come to us have not seen a dentist in the past year because we ask last dental exams. So we're not talking about wonderful to know that your dedicated patients are so tired of being isolated, they're excited to come to their dental office. So I think that's a, a nice way that this has transformed a dentistry. They're glad to be there because they're finally out of their house. But as, as those people get taken care of, you know, what are we going to do about those that have now gone 
past their six months because of COVID passed and they're starting to drop off and, and now uh, that they haven't touched base with you in a long time, if they are your patients, how are you going to re-engage them? And it is education, Dr. Pulver. It is, it, you know, tele-dentistry is not just person to person. It is that, you know, the dentist and the dental staff taking the opportunity to educate, educate, educate. And I think our job as we go forward will be convincing these 64% of the people that don't have a dentist or are not aligned, that it is safe to go back um, to the dental office and all the precautions, the standard of care that are being utilized. And so that is one of our big objectives when we talk to people. Uh, and we hear all the time, people are in their home, afraid to go outside and terrified of going to the dentist because one, they've been terrified to go to the dentist to begin with, and now you add COVID on top of that. So we have a huge population in the United States, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't know the stats in Canada, that don't have a dentist, that don't know what to do. Uh, and we are, you know, direct consumer. We're going through some of the big payer companies and providing teledentistry for their members as well. Uh, even there, the, you know, we were, we're working with Cigna and Anthem. They know statistically 40% of people that have dental insurance don't use it. I mean, that's just mind boggling. So we're trying to be that bridge of here's your benefits and in terms of your health and well-being, you know, the dental, the dental profession is, has stepped up and is taking care of your risk factors when you go in. But in terms of your health and well-being, dental health is important to continue uh, and, and you'll be safe to go back. And as, as Dr. Uh, Paul Wallette was talking about all the gear that dentists are going to have on, and again, we talked about Zoom meetings. This will be the most personal way you will talk to your patients. You will be able to see them. They will see you without your mask, your glove, your shield, your air, you know, your airflow. They won't have a mask on. And people are finding, our dentists are finding people in the safety of their own home have let down their guard and will share and talk more with the dentists that are doing the teledental consult. So I think it's key to implement teledentistry and virtual consults in your practices to be able to take, you're not gonna be able to hop from room to room in the high volume practices that, that I did and we did back in the day because your PPE can't be changed that rapidly. We're not gonna be able to have the same kind of pace that we've had in the past, but you do need to cordon off a couple times a day where you're in your office, all gear off, and you can do virtual consults, talk to them about their, their treatment, what you saw in the x-rays, Maybe even your hygiene checks. The hygienist will say, I'm going to share your pictures and x-rays with the doctor, and they're going to call you on your virtual uh, teledentist consult uh, at this afternoon, and they'll show you your pictures and show you your x-rays and, and talk about next steps, rather than the dentist having to go in to do hygiene checks as well. So we are really going to have to remodel the way we provide care in the offices. And, and my, my parting, and I'm, I'm not going to share too much more there because we, you, know, we're, you need to be HIPAA compliant. You need to make sure that you don't you know, use Zoom, FaceTime, and all those things, but get on a HIPAA compliant platform so that you are safe and your patient's uh, information is protected. And, and document, document, document. You can't charge for the consult unless you have documentation. And we have, you know, charts and records that you can do documentation of the visit in your charts and records. So make sure that you document the visit occurred. That if you're going to bill for it, you have to have, you know, a record of that visit. Um, and my, my, the way I look at this in terms of always being um, excited about new technology is it is going to be awkward, uncomfortable, and weird to get back and find a flow for your office and find what works for you and your staff and your patients. 
but for anybody that I started out with a Seric machine, if anybody remembers the first time they did a Seric crown and how that looked and how that felt and how awkward and uncomfortable it was to try and get something that looked like a, looked like a tooth out of that Seric. I, I, boy, took me a year. I saw on the learning curve on that one to do Seric crowns or any other new technology we've implemented, uh, align, you know, clear aligners. Um, all those new technologies that we're now comfortable with because we've been doing it, this is the same thing, getting your, your office flow, uh, in integrating teleconsults so that you don't spread germs. Patients are comfortable in their own homes. They can talk to you and you can talk to them and, and develop that. And, and everybody's gonna take a while to get into that groove. What I tell everybody is when they come into the office, onboard their cell phone with the, the platform so that they, then all they have to do when you talk to them or call them is push a button. They don't have to put in all their information. So there's another thing you can offer your patients. Let me just get you onboarded so that you're ready to go for your teledental consult when you have it. Uh, lots of lots of exciting things that I agree completely we can move into a better and more improved era um, but it's going to take a lot of, of trial and error in terms of pace how we're going to handle patients and what we're going to do but since there's 64 percent of people out there that have that need you practicing dentists um, you know we we want to, our goal is to put all those people in dental chairs and dental offices now that they are opening back up again and finding open offices is a challenge um, but you know our goal is to convince educate and and palliate patients and get them into your offices in knowing um, the, the the steps you're taking to protect their you know their their well-being and their health and then improving their oral health along the way that's it. I can go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> just to clarify, we're not talking just for the state of misery. You, the three is available all throughout the states, right? The fifty states. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we we are we are um, we. And when Doctor Bach asked me if I'm open again, I said I've been open for the past nine weeks. In fact, busier than we've ever been because people come to us when they couldn't go to you guys and they didn't know what to do and didn't know where to turn. They they would come to the teledentist and we would you know guide them into what needed to be done and hopefully palliate them until your offices open back up again. If if that thirty. Um, 6% had an office that they were comfortable calling back up and going into. But again, we have a huge volume of people that need, need a place to go and need a home. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask a funny question, but do you think that the lowest uh, numbers that your state have is due to the trade industry? Well, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's I think it's just not you know decreased testing and and we are we don't have the density of population on top of each other we have room to move around and and walk and get out we didn't have to stay locked in our apartment because we couldn't get on elevators so so we have a different more open environment we have a big city no horses and, and cowboys downtown but um, I, I you know it's density of population for sure that has you know it puts the the pressure cooker on infectivity I believe and how about the situation on the ground in Missouri? Um, I, I, you know, we are allowed to open back up again. Offices are opening. That I do know because we're um, starting an on-site work clinic in St. Louis, July 1, and getting everything ready to go for that on-site work clinic. Um, so, you know, again, since our infection rates lower and our uh, confirmed cases are lower, then they have allowed offices to start opening um, May 15th. Oh, okay, so it's been a week now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So again, we've been uh, exchanging a few times since the beginning of this crisis and to all dentists watching here and you're still looking forward to know what to do, that the crow, if you want to join the dentistry, Dr. Meyer is hiring. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I know you don't need a job. You have <laughs> at least 12 jobs. But uh, just a message here for people who are still waiting, there's a way for you to just resume your practice in the United States. And she promised me that she'd be moving to Canada, but nothing yet. <laughs> and Dr. Box, so that, so that you know, while, while Simplify's new product, Connect, may, may be a little bit competitive, uh, actually, Maria and I uh, have, a, have a mutual uh, relationship through, uh, through Flossbar and mobile COVID testing, which uh, you know, works, works together. So we, we all work together at the end of the day, right? We're all trying to, trying to solve this thing. And, and there's a big enough need out there that there's plenty of space for everybody, but being collaborative is definitely taking groups and, and, and bringing them together is my, is my goal rather than everybody working in separate corners. I think we can obviously solve the better issue like with floss bars we did and et cetera. I think you can solve a bigger issue if we work together and even everyone in their own private practices, if they have a, a, a URL of their practice that they can send out on social media and say, I'm here if you need me, click here. Uh, and make an appointment to talk to the dental office if you don't have one. Um, that's a far more personal touch than them trying to get a hold of a voicemail on a, a you know a call in and not being able to talk to anybody because we're all so tied up with you know our safety issues that we don't even have a live person answering the phone anymore. So um, you know the the talk to a dentist now on on your websites so they could click and make an appointment to have a consult just like this what am i going to do here's my problem i don't know what to do and and they the dentist can call and say well yes we've seen dozens of those today and you're going to be fine and here's what we're going to do and here's here's the office you know come see us i have an appointment at this time available and you know it's a this is the personal touch now and it's really interesting who would have thought I, you know, Dr. Bollett and I are old enough that nobody wanted to leave voicemails. Remember that? Nobody wanted to leave a voicemail on voice machines. Now, nobody wanted to do video consults. Now, it's the, the, what you do to actually see your patients and talk to them. This Friday, we'll be having the honor to host our first international summit. One that's going to relaunch our industry. One that's going to look into the future. Two weeks ago, we promised you solutions. This is the first one. Teledentistry, a new way to connect with our patient, a way for us to resume our responsibility and duties, one pause, and a way to keep dentistry safer for the future. We're going to be a panel of people, leaders from the world, and different countries coming together. From the United States, Dr. Paul Wallet, who has been recognized as one of the top 100 dentists in the world. Also from the United States, a man who led the digitalization of orthodontics, Dr. Robert Ball. We can surely learn from his experience to lead the leap in the future. Also from the United States, a thinker ahead of his time, Dr. Paul Dominic. From Canada, a community leader, Dr. Eric Lacoste. Also joining us from France, Monsieur Le Maire et Chirurgien Dentiste, Philippe Faux, who's going to be sharing with us a vision from abroad. They too have the same problem, but they have different perspectives. Also joining with us, people with real solutions. We'll bring on the table the co-founder of Intelidentis, Dr. Maya Kultstader. Also joining us, Howard Rees, CEO and founder of the Intelidentis, which is an online service for the public to reach dentists wherever they are in the United States. They also have a version where 
you can reach your own dentist. Together, we'll be leading the charge to a better future, to solution and safer ways to practice dentistry. This is an international crisis. Dentists throughout the world have said that this will be a crisis that will change dentistry forever. Join us for the first International Dental Summit, Friday, April 17. We'll be starting to look into the future. Look ahead, and together we will prevail. I'm Dr. Back. Welcome to the office. I think that the message we're having here is we're dentists and we're not waiting. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Now, I'm pretty sure we're going to see each other again on Zoom. <laughs> Good. In Canada, you tell you, we're coming to Canada. Dr. Lacoste, what is the status in Canada, Quebec? Um, well, like I said, we're, we're, we're about we're about to resume. Uh, we're about to resume practice uh, uh, June first. Um, we've had uh, we, we have some changes uh, uh, that, that have been implemented that will be implemented. Uh, it's not as uh, as severe as uh, as we're, as uh, I thought or we first thought it was going to be. Uh, so in terms of personal pr protection, yeah, we have to use the visors, and that requires a. Uh, and and, and the, the surgical gowns and stuff like that. So uh, uh, that changes a bit your uh, your your working flow. Uh, but other than that, um, there's been a, a bit of concerns with uh, uh, the uh, numbers of, of change uh, that we have to change the air uh, in the room. So we add units for that, and that's pretty much uh, in terms of, of the precautions. Uh, that, that's what they ask. They haven't asked for that much stuff. Uh, uh, honestly, um, it's more uh, like I was uh, saying in, in, in the introduction. It's maybe more about the the, the flow, the, the dynamic of uh, of how we handle patients, how patients come in. Um, it's uh, we can't use the elevator uh, anymore, so patients have to come in uh, using the staircase. So that's a that's a challenge uh, because of, we have. Uh, a few elderly patients uh, as well. Um, oh, I lost you. Can you see? So see me? Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, but in terms of, of patient, I would say uh, uh, it's funny because you know you have patients that, that, that before COVID we had patients that were uh, extremely uh, that stress or had anxiety with respect to whatever procedure they were going to have, and 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 today. We have the same. Uh, uh, we have the same thing. We just added COVID, so you have patients who are very scared and ask a lot of questions on in terms of how the precautions we're about to take uh, um, to ensure their safety. And you have others who were not stressed about dental procedures before COVID, and they're not stressed about dental procedures um, today. So we still see the full spectrum, I would say, of individuals that we're that we're used to see. So, um, if anything, uh, we, for, for the time being, we're planning to slow down a little bit to make sure that we can adapt and make sure that everybody has the time to, uh, you know, you don't want to be rushed when you take out your, uh, your personal uh, uh, protection equipment. I think that's, that's the most uh, important thing because you don't want to be doing this mechanically. You want to think to make sure that you're not uh, introducing a, 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 an error or a mistake. 
and those are the things that we're uh, uh, that we're really focusing on, uh, and and trying to see how we're going to integrate technology. I've recently been contacted by a, a company, and they have this uh, this robot uh, that they want us to try, and it's a it's a big cylinder on wheels, and it has robotic arms on the top, and it throws uh, um, antiseptic materials uh, in the in the operatory, so it does decontaminate the room without anybody being in there. So uh, we're working to see if we can implement that as a new uh, staff member. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, so, uh, um, you know, in, in Canada, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of financial support by governments that have, that have been uh, displayed. And I think thanks to that, uh, people have not, uh, even, the, uh, even the ones who have lost their temp their jobs, hopefully temporarily, uh, I've not suffered so much. So as a, as a whole society, uh, the actual impact has not been that bad, uh, I believe, uh, to this point. And I think that really contributes to the fact that, uh, you know, people are, are willing to, uh, to come back and, and uh, resume their, uh, their treatments. So you're hopeful about your practice? Pardon me? You're hopeful that the practice will just resume the way you left it? Uh, well, I don't think it'll ever be the same as it was. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, and and actually, I don't think it it would even be a good thing just to resume uh, thing as it was before. I think I think we have to. It's a great opportunity to to uh, to innovate, uh, uh, to change few things, to to get back on on, on different tracks. So I don't want to. I think we, we should not lose that, uh, and especially. Uh, you know, it may sound weird, but all these, these different discussions we've been, we've been having with, the, with the, all you guys, uh, there are things, there are, there are uh, changes. For example, in dentistry, it's not something we were really worried about or concerned about or even thought about. Um, now, the, the, the circumstances have, have pushed that among us. Um, and, and I think it would be a mistake just to go back to... Do, do doing things the way we were, we were doing them. Uh, it's, it's, there's an opportunity for change. There's an opportunity for improvement. I think we should we should uh, grab it. You know, we should we should uh, we should take this on and 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 find new ways. Uh, whether it is to uh, to uh, make it more accessible, we've talked about a lot about accessibility. So I think till then she gives us that opportunity to make uh, um, to make our services more accessible, uh, bring in the patients uh, uh, in the clinic when they need to be seen. Uh, but accessibility is 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 a is a, is a huge uh, uh, factor and a huge opportunity that we have ahead of us. Um, so I hope uh, um, you, know, uh, you know because because when you have a big practice, I have a big practice where we have an endodontist, uh, oral medicine specialist, pathologist all around. And, and, and because we've been running uh, with, with a great flow of patients and stuff, you don't really worry about these things. But then we had a lot of time to think about it. So I think it's, a, it's a, again, a fantastic uh, opportunity to include these things and to, to find new ways and better ways. Thank you. We wish you luck to, uh, to resume because that's going to be, what, in two weeks? Mm -hmm. Two weeks from now, officially, yes. Will you be sad to leave your confinement? Yes. <laughs> no, uh, um, honestly, um, you know, I, I was, I think the, the main stress was not knowing when we were going to come back. Um, at the point where you're telling me, where you're giving me a date, if I had to choose a date, 
I, I admittedly uh, have to say that I would have put a bit later <laughs> because, because uh, uh, it's been, uh, I mean, yes, there's been some stresses, but, but overall, uh, uh, I think uh, we found ways. Uh, uh, I mean, you and I, uh, Dr. Bai, you kept me busy. So, <laughs> you know, just writing a what book. Mean yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> just because we wrote a book because we had nothing to do. But uh, no. I mean, uh, 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 we did, uh, you know, we, we ran a lot of uh, different projects, which we, we would have never done uh, if this would not have not happened. Uh, I've, 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 uh, on a personal basis, I've took the time to read stuff, uh, to work out like I've, uh, uh, like I've never done before. I'm in the best shape of my life. So, uh, so yeah, if they would have told me uh, uh, another month, I would have said, okay, fine, at least I know when we're going, but I would have had time to ease off into uh, coming back to work. That's the mentality of an overachiever, huh? <laughs> Let's make the most of our time. <laughs> We're going to Peru with 109,000 cases and 3.1,000 deaths. Standing for Peru, Dean um, Julio Refanaje. Dr. Julio, you have the floor. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, here in Peru, it's totally different. We are a little bit far from the States in Canada, but uh, we have uh treated that that this this pandemic a little it, it's very close to what you did in the states and what you did in canada we we've been in confinement for about 60 days 65 days uh right now it was 65 days i was very busy these 65 days because i i'm also i'm working a lot in my computer because um I see many, many things. I'm trying to help many, many people here with uh, also in innovation. I work in innovation. I have an, yeah, an e-health cluster here in Peru. So um, I have to, now I'm dividing my time between emergencies, between um, my working computer with this kind of innovations and also uh, writing some things uh, some chapters in a book, like, like relevancy, and now we working together with uh, another another project. So uh, what we do in, in innovation, what we found right here in Peru is that we have, uh, it was 65, 65 days of confinement, but many, many people, they don't, uh, they just keep living as they usually do. So the, the rate that we have right now for infection is is bit uh, it's very very high, so uh, the government is trying to do some work with telehealth. And telehealth was uh, it's very easy to adapt by the people. So everybody has a cell phone and everybody have uh, they if they have any kind of emergency they have a call and that's it. And we have one of the companies that we're working with, it's called the Smart Doctor, and they have a telehealth um, platform. And they're receiving about 1,500 calls every day. That's a lot. And because people don't know where to, uh, they, they are very, a little bit confused. They, there's a lot of mis misinformation right here in Peru, and there's a lot of, of problems that we are having. We are also working with some kind of innovation on how to uh, uh, protect the people here from Peru. 
And when we are trying to protect them, we are trying to do this kind of work with telehealth, with teledentistry also, that we are trying to give them a little bit of security to these people. And the way we're doing this is we are making some monitoring centers. It's a small monitoring center. It's in the middle of, of, of people who don't have any resources of medicine or everything. And we are giving little, little devices like a digital thermometer and also a pulse oximeter, the one in the finger that, that you put in your finger. And we are monitoring these people. We are also having some charts in these charts. They every day goes and make a monitoring. Uh, 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 they 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 took the their their they take the temperature and they also taken the pulse oximeter and the uh, cardiac rhythm, and we are putting it on the chart. If we have any any changes in that, then. Uh, but uh, instantly, in this moment, we have a telephone and we connect with the doctor. And the doctor is telling them what to do next. So people right now, it's, it's working very, very good because people, is, it's, it's getting, um, it's getting, it, because the problem that we have is not only physical. The problem that we have is emotional. And it's psychological also. So that the problem that we have, that, that what we are solving is that people is gonna get really, really, um, it's very comfortable with this kind of service. And it helps a lot of people. We are doing this in one place, it's called, right here in Peru, it's still one, uh, uh, what we call Plaza de Toros. It's the, it's like, um, uh, a bull contest that we that we are having. It's a very ancient uh, tradition in Spain and also in Peru. So in this place, obviously it's closed. They make a, a this um, a, a, it's like um, a house. It's called a house of all. And we they they the 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 district is taking all the homeless people over there. We started a monitoring center over there. And we're checking these people every day. And we're also checking the people who live around there. And they're very comfortable. We also develop a lab, an app. And this app tells everybody to where they can find a pharmacy, where they have a health center uh, close to that, to that place or the place that they are living. They are doing uh, uh, geolocalized. It's still like, uh, uh, it's localizing like a Google Maps or something like that. And um, they localized and they found where the pharmacies, where the health centers near to the, where they live. If they have to walk, by, uh, they can go by walking and they can go in car. How, how long it's going to take to get to the health center near from them. And that's a way that we are helping people right here. In dentistry, it's going to change a lot also. Teledentistry here to stay also. So what we are trying to do is make uh, aware of the, the people or the doctors, how they have to manage some time in dentistry because uh, many people don't, they don't want to go to the, to the office because they are, they are scared and that's the idea. They are scared and they don't want to get infected or something like that because they think they're going to get infected if you go to a dentist. 
So the idea is to make this, this kind of appointments by the dentistry and they, they can uh, get comfortable with, the, with, with uh, teledentistry appointments and if they really need it, if they have an emergency, if they have a pain, they can go more confident to the office after they have a teledentistry call. So it's very, very important. And the other issue that we're having is also how teledentistry is it's, it's helping a doctor also because many doctors right now, they don't have jobs and they have to work some in, in different things. So the idea is to get them and they, um, in digital dentistry uh, jobs, they uh, can also have a revenue for that. And they don't usually do. And that's the idea. It's, it's gonna help a lot. It's a way we are, we are, we are, we are trying to help people right here in Peru. Um, the other thing that, that we're doing is also seeing and trying to cluster all the people who is trying to develop technologies. The other day I was, I was working in, in my computer and we are developing a, one of these projects and we have people in Australia. So we work all day and the people in Australia, well, they, they've been working I, the whole day, but it was my whole night because they, it's, it's about 12 hours difference. So the idea was great. So dinners, we didn't stop working for about 24 hours. It's, 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 it's a great thing. So uh, that, that is what we are doing right here in Peru. Uh, we're trying to do the uh, best effort. I think dentists is not gonna stop. I think we are going back to office on Monday. And let's see how people is doing, but we are trying to make some choices and, and we are supporting a lot of our work in, in technologies, new technologies also. We are trying to develop what we can over here and, and I'm ready to show what we are working also with. Uh, and also in mask, I, 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 I receive a, a, a mask, uh, an invisible mask, Dr. Wallet. It's different, it's like, the, like uh, it's, it's totally different because you don't have any fabric in your, mouth, in, in your head. That's from one of our, our innovators here in Lima. And they are using like a, a, a like an air mask. It's it's totally different than the ones. And you don't have any fluid who goes outside from the mouth. And it's 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 like the 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 curtain, the air curtains that you have in a mall or something like that. When you cross that the, an air curtain in in the front of the face, and it's 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 better because uh, you don't have to breathe all the things that you usually breathe when you use a mask. Now you're breathing again, that thing, uh, the, the, all those uh, gas that you're expelling. So the, we, are, uh, the, we are trying to develop this air mask. Uh, that's an idea also. You talk a lot about new technology. How people in Peru are reacting or adapt, adapting the new technology? What we have is it's 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 incredible because uh, something that makes to, uh, many people to adapt to technology is this little thing, a cellular phone. 
in a cellular phone, you have many, many, it's, it's very affordable. Everybody has it uh, on a smart, uh, a smart telephone. And everybody's always looking at the telephone and um, finding new, new things. So, so it's very easy. We have right now about, I don't know, I've seen about maybe 10 or 12 new telehealth platforms that are developing right now here in Lima because everybody's trying to get uh, uh, get something new, something different, make a different uh, a different business right now. And we have uh, new platforms and new ideas, different ideas, using a bit of reality also in medicine. And it's very interesting. It's very interesting that, that, that this kind of, of clusters and, and ideas that we have right now here in, in medicine, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. Many people who is, well, well, they're creating many, many things and very, very interesting things. So that, that is what we see right here. Um, and we also have to work, uh, deal a lot with uh, misinformation and the problem of the people because we have, the, our, it's totally different because we have a lot of people who has not enough resources to live. And, um, it's it, it's that's idea because the the ones who can we have to help many many people also because we don't uh, we we like to everybody get out of this pandemic and 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 what we can do is is is, is help people and that's it and that's our profession. That's and based on what I understood, you have resumed uh, practice Monday or you will resume practice next Monday. I, I will go back to my to my practice on next Monday. I will start there. And what are the new uh, restrictions that the, the state has imposed you about safety protocols? Yeah, we we have to use the PPE yeah, uh, uh, protocols, and um, as uh, uh, Dr. Polver said, uh, we have to make this Swiss cheese also here in Lima in our offices. So, um. What we are trying to do, look in my office is so different. When I go to my office, I have to put my my. It's it's like you go to surgery, you have to cross the door, you have to to put on the the those uh, disposable shoes, and you also wear your mask. And the other day, I get scared because while one of the doctors who appears suddenly from from his office, uh, he was. Uh, dressed like an astronaut is impressive. It's like Darth Vader with a mask or something like that. Um, because there many people, as, as I told you, it's so much uh, misinformation. So what we're trying to do is make a good protocol to go back to the office. When we are trying, what we're starting, what, what we are uh, putting on the on on our um, waiting room. It's a thermometer and an oximeter, and every patient that goes to the office, we put a thermometer and an oximeter in as the secretary as, as they are waiting. Uh, we are trying to, to manage uh, all the disposable, everything in disposables, and we have to take care of the, the disinfection of, of, of the whole office. And also in the mobile units, and uh, the mobile units, they, they have a very very uh, strict uh, uh, protocol to to clean that 
the mobiles every time they go away. Hi, I'm Dr. Back, presenter of MDEX & Co. This is a new social and economic pack for the dental industry. My industry faces many challenges. In this time of crisis, the challenges has risen all at once, and now we can ignore them anymore. Everything is too clear, everything is painful, and they all need to be addressed right away. The COVID crisis has put everything on pause. As dentists, we were the first one who has to respond to that pause. The emergency is barely to the minimum, it's about 5%, even less of our care. So many have been shut down for more or less three or four weeks now. This has brought to my attention all the challenges that my profession faces. I try to comfort my team, I try to fight for them, to give them some resources. Then I try to fight for my peers, working with the associations and with the organization in place. Well, we understood that we were left aside. And on top of it, we don't have the sympathy of the population. In this unique time of crisis, we had an article coming out explaining our position and explaining also that we have been left uh, with nothing. And the population raised a voice against us. This is why, while I'm talking to my colleagues and myself, we have personal testimony of patients saying, how are you guys doing? You need help. On a day-to-day -day basis, I think that we are appreciated by the people that we treat. But in a broader sense, I don't think that the population likes dentists that much. And this is a huge PR problem. What we see, the governments, sorry too, we lost our voice and our leverage. To be honest, the dental industry has been an independent word until lately, especially in Canada. It's hard for our small team to rise up to make a difference. At this stage, we need something wider, something bolder to raise up. We have to listen to the population. Well, they're saying that we've been too expensive for too long. What they don't get, it's we have many hospitals to run. It's all coming back to the fact that we have too much infrastructure on the ground. And by the time that this crisis will unpause, all those infrastructure will have to be upgraded all at once to now face a new standard post-COVID. Who's gonna pay for it? So when you think of it, dental fees will be even more expensive. That doesn't make sense. Nobody will be happy about it. So that's coming back to the fact that we have to learn to come as an industry and start sharing resources. Not just get more to debt, have our own resource, and operate them about a quarter of the time. So this crisis brought to my attention that what we're doing here is not just commerce. It's not just try to gain market share. It's a way to reform an industry in crisis and that faces more than one challenge. We need leadership, we need vision, and also we need the will to make a difference. You know that the alphas were all about solutions, but today it was a way to have a topography of uh, what's going on in the world and how people are reacting. But let's get to the solutions. And on this, uh, it wasn't planned, but I know that two colleagues of mine are working on a solution that while we are stuck home, can help our patient and ourselves. I'd like to invite Dr. Poover to retake the floor to talk about Denti AI, which uh, we talked a little bit, but Dr. Krell covered that yesterday with me, which I think it's a, a great solution from home to interact with your patient with some assistance. Dr. Pulver, you have the floor. Yeah, sure. Thank you, uh, Buck. I, I, I didn't uh, go into much detail about that because we were sort of talking about 
returning in our current situations, but I certainly am passionate about that. It's hard for me not to put that on the forefront of all my discussions. So uh, I'm happy to take a moment uh, to discuss that. So Denti AI is a project I've been working uh, on with the founders and the team for about three years now. And it's a cloud-based clinical decision support tool that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to automate uh, the diagnostic pr uh, process. It brings uh, calibration and clarity to our diagnostic parameters between uh, providers and with insurers and uh, allows us to communicate with our patients uh, you know, in, in a real nice way to show them almost instantaneously what their findings are. Um, and it's been academically validated at the University of Louisville and at UNC with uh, Bill Scarf and Don Tyndall. And we won some research awards, which I'm proud of the team for, for doing so and the, and the group of researchers doing this. And we were to present at this year's uh, IADR meeting with our findings. And what's interesting uh, during this, this crisis is that I think people are adopting uh, and open to technology in a new way. So part of the uh, efficiencies that we're building into um, our patient visits through telemedicine or teledentistry specifically, we're able to do uh, more efficient care when they are in the room. So when patients come in, uh, we are told that we want to take extra oral imaging. So we'll take a panoramic image and bite wings, and then maybe in a symptomatic area, we'll take a periapical film. And that might be done in routine. So how are we going to look at, I'm an oral surgeon, but I have lots of colleagues as restorative uh, doctors have hygiene appointments and the PPE becomes an issue because while well, they're seeing a patient, their hygienist is seeing another patient, they're taking images and x-rays and then what, you know, to go into that room as a practitioner and check, do a hygiene check is a challenge, um, you know, and what we're looking at is utilizing these technologies to make that appointment more efficient by doing automated diagnostics from the panoramic image. So we can take a number of the teeth, we can find a whole number of clinical, uh, pathological and non-pathological findings. Uh, we can mark on an uh, image uh, where the crowns are, where the root canal procedures are, where the missing teeth are, where um, uh, certain anatomical features are. We can then find decay, we can find bone loss, and uh, a, a number of other items, periapical radiolucencies. And we're able to um, morph that all in from the findings on our bite wings and periapical films into the panoramic image. And we're able to put numbers to each of those. And then what we really, you know, I'm, uh, it's pretty amazing when you see it work. I don't have it here to show at this point, but perhaps we, we can show it another time. How is, I'm gonna put it right after. Is how we're able to find the diagnostic findings and then instantaneously chart it into an odontogram and link it into an EMR. So when that's done, and we know that, you know, the AI doesn't have a day that's bad, it's always the same and it always gets better, it improves. So we're able to um, link into um, Dentrix and populate an odontogram. We can take a panoramic image at an end of an ortho case and analyze it for decay. We can do that at the beginning of a case. 
First thing to notice is Fenty uh, AI puts the images into what's called a collection. So for that patient, patient 1005, we've created a collection with the three images that were available for the patient. And what we do with those images is, you know, it runs the AI analysis on it, identifies teeth, uh, pathologies, existing features in the mouth. Um, and not only does it for each image, but actually combines all the findings from the latest imaging across, uh, so across panoramics, by wings, and periapicals, and puts onto one shared adonogram that becomes kind of the patient chart. So we'll see here, uh, you know, some basic um, ways to review the images, invert, sharpen the image. We can show here, uh, you know, some patient data that's pulled from Dentrix, as well as information about the image, which the AI is finding that this is a pano. Um, and we'll go through and see the three images before we go to the findings. So here we have our periapical that's associated with the patient. Uh, you can find that right there. Uh, so tooth numbering as well, and some findings. Um, a little blurry here, so we'll see how we deal with that. And finally, we have a bite wing uh, at the end that shows uh, you know, number teeth as well. So if we dig into the diagnostic piece, uh, so the first thing you'll notice is you know, Denti gives what's called a AI confidence score on each finding. Um, green findings are features, you know, things that exist in the mouth. Red findings are pathologies. Um, we the default is to have zero percent, so we want to show everything so providers can you know have their eyes drawn to all the possibilities. If you want to raise that threshold, you know, it's not necessarily low confidence predictions. You can do that. We'll really just show the, the key things. Uh, so the first thing we'll have here is a filling on two thirty. Um, and the AI has seen that this is actually a the surface. So that's something we'll accept for the purpose of charting. Um, that's all we got to do in this image. The next thing we'll do uh, is on this uh, periapical. So we'll see it's quite blurry here. Uh, this you know, blurry overlap is being taken as a filling. Um, you know, that's going to happen in the world of AI. It's never going to be perfect. So we just provide it to Dennis. And what we'll do here is you know, we'll take this finding. We'll actually just remove that um, quite easily. Uh, the next thing we'll do is, you know, we'll go in on tooth number nine here. You've seen endodontic treatment, except that uh, the filling here, um, you know, that is deemed as well to be on the occlusal surface. Uh, well, let's say we want to switch that over to the lingual. Uh, we can go in there, one click, and change that, except the filling there. Uh, second here on, you know, tooth number 10, we'll see an endodontic treatment. Definitely seeing that. The filling on the L surface, uh, you know, got that right there. Uh, looks at that, and then finally, there's a diagnosed apical lesion here up at the top. Um, let's say for the purposes of the demonstration, we'll accept the apical lesion. So that's the periapical. And finally, we come to the pano. Um, so the pano, you know, is not only showing the whole mouth, it's also kind of pulling in those findings. You can see here that filling we accepted on 210 um, from the periapical. It's already been accepted in part of the chart. Same with the apical lesion. Um, and the endodontic treatment is being seen on both, so it has its own here. Um, the filling here on tooth 19, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at that. Um, yeah, tooth 19, we agree with on the occlusal surface, um, and on the mesial, we'll leave that so we can show what tooth surface looks like. And now on tooth 30, uh, you know, we have an O as well, so we'll accept that finding. Finally, tooth 9 up here, as I said, when it finds it in both places. Um, it'll show them as new findings. Uh, so that's what we get through here. We've kind of been through the collection. So now we're automating this, this procedure and this process. And right now, um, we, because it is new, we still have um, the dentist identify things. We have a sliding scale for probability levels. And 
it has to be authorized and okay. And as we move forward, we hope that one day some of these things will be fully automated um, because the AI will be helping us to track outcomes, predict outcomes. We can find decay earlier so we can uh, discuss remineralization and, and do it in a uh, more efficient way. So maybe we don't need to pick up a dental drill to do our drilling. And perhaps we can use it over some of uh, the intraoral imaging um, that Paul mentioned with dental monitoring or SmileMate, or uh, there's a number of other products out on the market that we can integrate with intraoral cameras or STL files uh, to capture this data. And we're also uh, moving into the 3D space as well uh, with some really interesting work that we've been doing. So, you know, at that, I, I mean, I could go on for hours on this, but that's a good kind of breakdown. It's, it's, you know, thank you for the opportunity to share it once again. And we really think it can help in this time of COVID where we want to be as efficient and provide the best care as possible. And we're minimizing our contact. So, uh, that, you for sharing. Um, I think that we all have the message here because all my colleagues here are working through our technology to, to find new innovative solutions to, to keep our relevancy. And I, I personally was working on a way to change the way that we are practicing to, to share more our, uh, our push, our, our dental chair.
I'm living right here and now and I don't wanna miss out Is this what life's all about? The world is calling and I'm listening Yeah, I'm listening I feel the freedom inside, come on let's go for a ride I finally opened my eyes and I can see it so
happens now